Let's pray. Jesus, without you, we can do absolutely nothing. And so we ask for your spirit to work glorious truths of the gospel into our hearts this morning. If our minds and hearts are anxious, we ask for the peace of God to enter them. And above all, we ask for you to get the glory for your good work this morning and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So as I said earlier in the week, uh, in an email, it's fitting and incredible, incredible timing that our time in Philippians brings us to this passage. I want to firstly read it from beginning to end, and I encourage you to read it with me from the NIV version, as we usually do on Sundays. Paul says, I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Before we even get into Paul mentioning anxiety, before we get to verses 4 to 9, which are a little more well known, we have a couple more characters that are mentioned. If you've been following along in the series or know about Philippians, much like Timothy and Epaphroditus, whom Paul mentioned earlier in the book as co-workers, we now have this morning three others. Euodia, Syntyche, and Clement. These are all co-workers along with Paul for the cause of the gospel. The sharing of it, the proclaiming of it, and the work of it. Paul pleads for Euodia and Syntyche in particular to be of the same mind in the Lord. Because they contend at Paul's side for the cause of the gospel along with others who are saved, who are in the book of life. To be of the same mind, to be united. You see, unity for the gospel, unity in Christ, in Jesus, is so important to the cause of the gospel. This is, of course, one of the minor themes, perhaps major in some ways, of Philippians. Here are a couple passages to help us remember and perhaps for some of you to hear for the first time from Philippians regarding unity. 
Philippians 2, verse 2. Paul says, complete my joy of being of the same mind. There it is again, same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. In Philippians 1, 27, a little bit before, Paul says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So as we think about the peace of God as our answer to our anxiety, and in particular with the world as we know it right now, and these past few weeks, we need to think about being united in Christ. Yes, there are many, many, many denominations. Yes, many local church buildings and Christians all over the world. But there is only one Jesus and only one gospel. And that is what we must be united on. To love God. To spend time in his word. Have it as our only authority and to obey it as sufficient in our life. To love our neighbors in such a way that is practical, even in a time like this. I saw something on Facebook this past week from one church who had told all of their neighbors, and especially their elderly or young family neighbors, that if they needed groceries or anything, to just let them know, he would get it for them. This is a great sign of unity in Christ. I want to echo the words of David in Psalm 133, verse 1, as he says this. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. As we go on, verses 4 to 9 are what I want to spend the most time on, and so I encourage you to have your Bibles open as we continue on, as well as those reflection questions. Verses 4 to 9 again say this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. How do we find such peace in anxious times? How do we find peace when we watch the news and read the news and see the numbers of a pandemic go up and up and up? How do we find peace when our life is shaken, when our kids have to stay home and we might have to stay home as well? Paul tells here, Paul tells the church to rejoice in the Lord. 
In fact, he says it again. He says, rejoice. Philippians 3.1, just the chapter before, says the same thing. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. He says, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. You see, one of the other ways that we show unity is by our rejoicing in the Lord. But I have to admit, it's hard to rejoice, and in particular rejoice in the Lord, when we don't necessarily understand why God isn't or is doing things in the midst of things around us. Lately in my own personal reading, I've been journeying through the short book Habakkuk, in the Old Testament, I really encourage you to go through it. it. won't take you long, a few minutes. And in the end, in the third chapter, verses 17 to 19, Habakkuk gives us a glimpse into how we are to respond, even when we don't agree or understand what God is doing. He says these wonderful, powerful words. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19. It says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, and flock be cut off from the fold. And there will be no herd in the stalls. Doesn't sound like very good news, does it? But verse 18 and 19, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. You see, although we can try to understand the exact why of a situation like the one our world is going through right now, our response as the church in many ways is to trust and rejoice in our Lord. And only through that can we start to understand the goodness of our God in the midst of our anxiety. It is hard to rejoice in the midst of life, and yet we are called to do exactly that. In fact, not just rejoicing, but also letting our gentleness be evident to all. What a word, gentleness. Now comes more words that we need to hear, and we'll spend the rest of our time on. Paul says once again, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul assumes and knows that all of us will be anxious at some point. Anxiety since the beginning of the fall has invaded our hearts. Some of us are anxious every day. If you're like me, you start to get anxious when you hear the emergency sirens. If you're like other people, perhaps you get anxious when you drive, or even thinking about driving, or when you need to make a big decision that will impact yourself and the people around you. With anxiety comes fear. And in many ways, fear is good. Fear alerts us. When a bear is after you, it is good to be afraid, to run as fast as you can. But in other ways, fear isn't good. 
fear paralyzes you. In fact, did you know that the most common command in the Bible from God is do not be afraid? When we think about fear, when we think about anxiety, perhaps we think about athletes and their unwillingness, their fear of jumping up and perhaps getting injured. Perhaps they're afraid of getting the rebound in basketball and they freeze and not do well. In a better, better example, for emergency responders, if they are afraid, they won't respond as well in many ways. They will freeze. For average everyday people, when we are afraid and we freeze, we aren't able to respond as well to situations like a pandemic. Fear freezes us, and with it comes a, a heightened awareness of our anxiety. Paul here knows that we will get anxious, that we will worry. But he tells us to not be anxious about anything. This is far from a, a don't worry, be happy posture or attitude, because simply trying to not worry and be happy is an impossible task. And Paul elaborates on that later in verse 7. But for now, I want us to look at what I think is a pathway towards finding peace in anxious times. Because that is really what we're trying to do, right? Sometimes frantically, sometimes in our panic, we will Google, how can we be free from anxiety? In fact, here's what the internet generally has to say about this. One website, healthline.com, gives us these eight suggestions for getting rid of our anxiety. Number one, shout it out. Simply just shout your anxieties into the air. Number two, get moving. Physically, get moving. Number three, break up with caffeine. Number four, give yourself a bedtime. Number five, feel okay saying no. Number six, don't skip meals. Number seven, make an exit strategy. And number eight, live in the moment. Now these are all good things, but as God's word does, and in particular Philippians, which we've been journeying through for a while, as Paul is writing this from prison, he helps paint a larger picture into our anxiety and our worry in our hearts and in our minds. For our church, we've been going through this book since the start of January. And what we've learned is that the main theme is that there is a joy that encompasses all other joy that this world has to offer. This joy comes through being united to Christ and knowing him above all other things. And so for Paul here, he says, do not be anxious about anything. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but in every situation, as in during a pandemic, during and before the big test, every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see, Paul here is giving us a pathway towards true peace. He's answering the question, 
How do we find peace in anxious times? You see, unlike simply shouting it out or sitting down and meditating, we are told that we are to take our focus somewhere else. Instead of thinking of our inability to have things under control, instead of thinking of our inability to be confident and instead live out in fear, we are told to look beyond that and remember that God is in control and to talk to God. Paul begins this pathway by saying in every situation by prayer. Prayer is the the big idea here. Prayer is, of course, our glorious opportunity to talk to our Father who wants to hear from us. Psalm 55, 22 is a treasure of a verse from the Old Testament. This tells us what to do with our burdens. Psalm 55, 22 says this. It says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 7, we have this New Testament equivalent. It says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Do you believe that God doesn't want to hear from you? Or that he isn't in control? Scripture reveals the exact opposite. In fact, our reason to cast our anxieties on him is because we believe that he cares for us. That he will, as the passage says, sustain us. In a current time where people are frantic for things like toilet paper, basic food needs, and help, God promises through his word to sustain us. He tells us to cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And Paul uses the word petition here. Some other translations say supplication as well. Or in other words, asking earnestly and humbly for him to calm our anxiety. With thanksgiving, presenting our requests to God. See, don't be afraid to request things of God. Don't be afraid. Sometimes I think we think that we, should, we shouldn't ask God of things. But we see here that we are called to do exactly that. For he is listening and desires to hear from the body of Christ, the church, his children. And then we get to something amazing, the end result. Paul says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the pathway to cure our anxiety doesn't simply end with a temporary form of peace, but rather an eternal, never-changing one. The God of peace, which Paul says transcends all understanding, which means it is beyond our understanding. The pathway to be free of all anxiety isn't to simply say or try and act, don't worry, be happy. It is instead, don't worry, but spend time in prayer as you put your focus on the one who is in control, the one who loves you, who sings over you and cares for you. Instead of worrying in thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray with petition, with thanksgiving. Present requests to God and the peace of God. The peace of God. Underline that. Highlight it. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Guarding your hearts and your minds. By praying to God, we find peace in anxious times. See, praying to God switches our focus to the good God who hasn't left this world to its own, but rather entered our history by sending Jesus, the image of the invisible God, to live the life we could not live perfectly, dying for our sins on the cross and rising. This incredible gospel we have is the answer to our anxiety. You see, the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. You see, our anxiety comes out of these things. Our hearts, our feelings, our fear, and our minds, our thoughts will be guarded, will be guarded by the peace of God. Let's check out what Paul has to say in God's word for the last passage, last part of the passage, rather, for this morning. Again, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul continues this pathway of helping our anxiety by telling us what we ought to think about. Notice the words here. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. What do all of these things describe? Or rather, who does it describe? They describe Jesus. So you see, there's nothing more true, more noble, more right, more pure, more lovely, more admirable, and definitely more excellent or praiseworthy than Jesus Christ himself. Paul knows that the ultimate cure to our anxious thoughts that rage fire in our hearts and minds is Jesus himself. To remember the goodness of our Savior to remember that he is our solid rock, as we sang earlier this morning. This is how we look past our anxious world and our thoughts. You see, Paul isn't simply saying, think good things and then you will have peace. But rather, he says, think about Christ, who is all of these things. And how about this incredible ending to the passage this morning in verse 9? Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is saying here that this whole pathway to peace, to the God of peace, is one to be modeled and put into practice. And then we have this remarkable ending, and the God of peace will be with you. Is there no better piece of scripture for our time right now than this one right here. 
Notice, it doesn't say again, like we saw earlier, the peace of God. But rather it says, the God of peace will be with you. Isaiah 41.10 relays this message as well. It says these words, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You see, here in Philippians, we don't simply get the peace of God only, but we get the God of peace. God himself will be with us, with us. And when God, our sovereign and good God, is with us, our fears and anxieties will be gone. A comparison to our own lives would almost be like when we were kids. Or when you were a kid and you were scared or had a nightmare. When your mom and dad came in and your fears were gone. The question for us this morning is, when the God of peace is with us, how could we ever be anxious? You see, the assumption from Paul from Jesus, from the Gospels, from all of God's Word, is that we will get anxious. From the world around us and from our own unbelief. But the Word of God paints this glorious picture that answers that anxiety. That is God Himself. That is, we lift our prayers to Him, we set our eyes on Christ and Christ alone, and to believe and remember that God's truths and promises are absolutely eternal. Who knows what will happen in the coming weeks and months? What we do know is that God knows, and because of that we can have hope and confidence in believing Him and just living out of His promises. To love Him by delving deep into His Word instead of going on social media discipling and loving our families, not just watching movies, but discipling and loving our families as we spend more time with them and continuing to love our neighbors as Christ has loved us. Let's pray and close with one more song as well as a brief benediction. Pray with me. O oh God, our Father, when we fail to believe these great truths in a time of anxiety, please help our unbelief. Set our feet upon your solid foundation, and through your Spirit guide our eyes to be fixed on Christ, our highest treasure and greatest hope. In his name, in the name of Jesus alone, we pray. Amen.